Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome back to High Resolution. I'm Seamus Byrne. A few months ago, I managed to speak with Rich Lambert, who is the creative director on The Elder Scrolls Online, about the dark heart of Skyrim year of storylines currently taking place in the game. This week, the latest dungeon DLC is added into the game, and Bethesda offered us the chance to talk with Mike Finnegan, the lead encounter designer. Finnegan's been on the team a long time, but just recently took charge of all things encounters. So we talk about blending story with core gameplay and the way these ideas flow back and forth and around the team. And we delve into lots of other ideas around inspiration, about when to keep things comfortably similar to previous content and when to push new boundaries and lots more. As I said, the two new dungeons, Castlethorn and Stowgarden, are now in ESO and there's also the usual badass trailer for the new content you can check out. We jump in where I ask Finnegan about how a deeper thread of storylines through the year changes the way they've approached encounter design in The Elder Scrolls Online. When we when we started this last year, we had started the, the year of kind of thing. And if you look at the, the quarter three dungeons that we did last year, they were uh, Lair of Marcelock and Moongrave Fane. We wanted to tell a story that was set in the the uh, whole year story, but not necessarily uh, tied everything together. Um, so we had we explored what happens when dragons get out and then they form their little pockets of whatever. So Marcelot goes off to, to his lair and in Moongrave you have uh, the, the dragon in there and his whole vampire cult and stuff like that. So for this year we, we wanted to tie the dungeons more closely with the storyline so that was absolutely the approach from the start with the harrow storms and then in the quarter three dungeons in particular bringing that uh into the things or more into the storyline so that uh the two things that you find a lot like the, the quarter one dungeons uh harrow storm the two things that you find the, the two pieces of the puzzle you fit together are put together in the prologue so you're given context for when you do something in the prologue uh, which leads to the quarter four DLC. If you've done the dungeons, you have context for where those things come came from. Gwendis is a big part of it. This is another thing too: is is carrying characters forward in the story. So she's going to be prominent in the in the prologue and probably prominent in the quarter four DLC. So putting her front and center as the quest giver in both of these dungeons will kind of drive it so that. You know, you have uh, one character that you're kind of following through this thing, and then as you, you're, you're progressing more, so it feels like you're going on an adventure with that person. She'll also recognize all the things you've done. 
before with her. So if you've done the dungeon, she'll be like, oh, welcome back, you know, and hey, remember when we did this? Well, this is what I learned and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it, it was a big driver for the theme of the dungeons and how we were going to set these uh, these up. When it comes to, you know, I guess kind of building out sort of dungeon concepts, you know, it's like there's always, at least, you know, from my perspective, it feels like there's always that balance where you're trying to find, you know, um, rhythms that people kind of, you know, have a familiarity with so that they kind of can have a bit of confidence with it. And then you're trying to sort of develop new mechanics and things that can surprise people. You know, how, like, where do you feel like you're kind of sitting on those levers with uh, with this expansion? You know, is it... um, or your know, DLC, um, is it, you know, lots of surprises or like, you know, is it about sort of building on what's been developed through this kind of, this year's storyline so far? So uh, I think we took, with this DLC, especially story-wise, what we took for this was we took Dark Heart of Skyrim to be, uh, to to heart uh for lack of a better word in that we wanted this grim dark uh gritty um the underside the horror side of this thing so that's that that played through with the two dungeons that we chose we chose castle thorn which is this gothic uh it harkens back to all the like 1930s 40s and 50s like vampire movies and stuff like that looks like all those classic uh uh, vampire movies, giant tall castles in the snowy mountains and stuff, and vampires all throughout. Really rich, like reds and stuff like that inside to, to the draperies, the long banners and stuff. It's so, um, <clears throat> for that, we, you know, that's that's taking a look at the dark heart of Skyrim and saying, okay, how what can we tell these uh, dark stories? And for Stone Garden, we went the opposite way. We said, what would a mad scientist laboratory w- look like in uh, Tamriel? And that's exactly what we did with Stone Garden. Is we took that. He's a mad alchemist, not a mad scientist, because science isn't necessarily <laughs> yeah. a thing. Um, and and then taking a look at those two kind of themes, and then tying it into the story, and saying, you know, uh, Lady Thorn and Castle Thorn is uh, she has pledged her. Maybe she has pledged herself to um, the the elements in Greymoor. And you're going in there to kind of stop the, uh, stop her building her army. And then our cases in, in Stone Garden has kind of, uh, he was instrumental. There's stone husks in here. So he was instrumental in bringing those things to life and then was given his own space to keep experimenting. Um, and so you're going in there to stop, but you're also learning parts for the, for the future story. So, um, and as far as developing new mechanics, um, we try to, whenever we approach a new thing, we try to give, people a little bit of both a little bit of familiar you know and what's good is because anytime we introduce something new it becomes instantly another thing that we another feather in our cap and another tool that we can use in our toolbox yeah Um, a good example of this from a broad stroke is is we had secrets in unhallowed grave uh which was from the Harrowstorm dungeons these were complete secrets that we didn't show to people we didn't tell all we said merely was there are secrets and these were the ones you you had to go through holes in the wall it looked like you were exploiting to get to where some of these places (laughs) were right but uh people figured them out and they found the secrets and they really really loved it so carrying that forward is this kind of thing of like now as we approach dungeons like hey can we do this and in these kind of things and what do they look like in here so in stone garden we we carried that message forward and and we said okay well we're going to put secrets in here they're not quite going to be as hidden they're going to be on the map you're going to be able to see them but how you interact with those secrets is a new thing and then tying into player progression that's another thing too is anytime we take a new mechanic and we can tie it back in to uh, what players are used to. So in the mad 
alchemist's uh, laboratory of, of Stone Garden, you actually can use your alchemy skills to uh, help you in, in the dungeon and stuff. So, nice. that, yeah, anytime we can kind of harken back to those and use the elements that we have in the game in new and interesting ways to challenge players is, is, is really awesome. Look, that's such a great point. Yeah. And, you know, it's definitely something that, you know, sort of seen through the game that sort of crafting is given so many interesting kind of ways of, of being used. So that's kind of a really cool idea to try to bring, like, is that something that's been done before through the game or, you know, is this sort of idea of, of those, you know, alchemical elements being, you know, being brought into Um, a, a dungeon opportunity. Is that a new thing? We haven't, we haven't really used it in a dungeon. We've used elements before where that that uh, were an, new and interesting and now seem kind of old hat. So, for <laughs> instance, when the game first came out, we had uh, synergies in the game, which are uh, usually player-driven, the player-driven abilities that they have. Yeah. Um, and you would drop something down and a player can go and hit X next to it or, or um, you know, if you're on a control, use your uh, controller commands uh, to, to activate a synergy. And... Uh, our team kind of like the dungeon team kind of went went through and said, well, "Can we put those on monsters? And what does that look like? And how does that feel?" And now it becomes old hat where we use synergies all the time, and yeah. players have kind of gathered on that kind of mechanics. But as far as ta- uh, tapping into um, side uh, things other than stealth, which we used uh, last year, where you actually had to stealth uh, in the middle of a uh, of an encounter to kind of uh, get through it in the intricate hunt, march sacrifices. Uh, Tapping into to trade skills is something new that we haven't done before. So uh, we're really happy and we're really anxious to see, you know, once this gets really out in the wild, because we've seen the PTS feedback and stuff, but we're, we're anxious to see when this really gets out in the wild, how well players uh, receive it, because that's definitely going to form our future designs. And and anytime we can do that, tap into something that, that, that players have is maybe not a normal progression means, um, to, to, to enhance that in the dungeon is just going to enrich kind of that experience for everybody. Yeah. Um, so how much of the kind of the boss stuff are we talking about at this point? You know, you're revealing sort of any any cool parts of like any uh, boss mechanics or any sort of other elements with uh, just how big the threats are we're trying to deal with here? Uh, I can reveal... Yeah, I can reveal... Uh, so... Um, as as kind of like an overview of the the two dungeons. So Castlethorn is very much like our classic dungeon experience. Yeah. In that there are five bosses. The final boss has an activatable hard mode um, to make it to challenge more players. But for Stone Garden, what we had the opportunity to do is we've 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 heard for a while now the players, that, especially the the higher end players, the players that really want to challenge themselves, they've said, you know what, we want something more than veteran, and we want something more than just the final boss hard mode we want another level of difficulty and uh, there's a there's a myriad of reasons why uh we can or can't do that or the reasons for um why we w- would want to do that versus not want to do that but if in, in stone garden we decided to put forth an effort to kind of provide that in that there's only three bosses in stone garden but each one of the bosses if you're in veteran difficulty has an activatable hard mode so uh, it's a new challenge that you could before you just used to be able to activate the hard mode on the final boss. Now in every in every single boss in Stone Garden, you can activate a hard mode to make it more challenging. So we we hope that kind of scratches that itch for for players that want that third level of difficulty uh, as they reach the the bosses and stuff. Yeah. Um, another element of if we talk about specific boss encounters, uh, I'd be remiss if I did not mention 
what we do in Stone Garden, which has actually had a lot of positive buzz, and it's really funny to see kind of some of the fan theories. And it's it, and it's funny that we. Um, so what it is is, uh, Arcasis, who's the Mad Alchemist, has found a way to alchemize uh, to alchemically create werewolf behemoths, uh, which are giant furry werewolves. They're really big werewolves. Um, and he doesn't do it by infecting them with lycanthropy. You can drink a potion and it can turn you into a werewolf behemoth. So we have that happen on several monsters in, in the game, in the dungeon. But not only that, we also provide those, those potions for players. So players will be able to use these potions and turn into giant werewolf behemoths complete with all new abilities um, that are intricate to, or integral in the uh, final boss fight. Oh, nice. Um, so as you're progressing through the dungeon, we give you a couple opportunities to do that. And then on the final boss fight, uh, there's whole phases where everybody in the party turns into a werewolf behemoth and has to go around rampaging and stuff. Um, so uh, that's interesting. And I, I mentioned the fan theories because we've seen a lot of people on uh, online. And we knew it when we when we put it in. We're like, yeah, people that are werewolves now, there's probably going to be some people that want this as their werewolf form. <laughs> but uh, we kind of tailor-made it and specially made it for the uh, the – a dungeon so yeah it's it's a pretty interesting uh, element and it, it brings a whole new level of excitement um uh for players yeah cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And look, I'm I'm loving the the vibe. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? That you know, I think any given year, you know, th- there'll be the different flavors that sort of get focused on for for the way that the you know the expansions work and all this sort of stuff. But I'm you know loving this kind of little you know juke to the right, I guess, of the uh, of the Stone Garden you know design style, where it's like it still kind of sits really nicely alongside. Um, all the rest of the whole, you know, grim dark kind of vibes of this year, but it's 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 it's, its own, you know, steampunky darkness that yeah. still feels yeah. right, but it also feels like a nice step into a, an, another kind of little domain here, which yeah. is really awesome. That that's pretty that's pretty much what our 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 theory and our guiding uh, principles are for dungeons. Is um, we are very much telling a part of the bigger story in dungeons, even in the Harrowstorm dungeons and and in in Stone uh, Thorn, uh, we're telling a part of the the story that you're going to be able to get and stuff. But at the same time, we're also trying to tell a story within the dungeon, and it's a story that has multiple parts. It has a beginning, it has a middle, it has an end. If you look at Castle Thorn, for instance, you have the beginning with Gwendis and Talfig, who's the guy she captured. He shockingly betrays you, and then becomes a boss at the end, and then you finally defeat uh, Lady Thorn. So that by the time you're ended, we don't want you to leave a dungeon, and then by the end of it, go, oh, okay, well, I got the beginning part of what I of the story. You know, we want you to have a complete story as you go through the dungeon, and then. 
when you go and do other parts of the content, the prologue and the DLC, if you did the dungeon, you go, oh, yeah, I remember when I did that. I remember when I did that. But it, I still got that whole story. And now just something that happened in there also lends to what I'm doing in the future. Yeah. Um, now, look, I think, you know, you, you, you can't kind of go back and you know, change everything like that would be crazy. It's all about moving forward. But yeah, when you think back to where sort of, you know, the, the first wave of sort of dungeons might've been, you know, right back at the sort of the, the early days here, you know, how far do you feel like you've come with, with the both, I guess, game mechanics and storytelling within the dungeon experiences? Yeah. It's funny because I'm probably the only person in the company that has worked on, uh, dungeons from start to finish. So when I was hired here, I think it was eight years ago, I was on the dungeon team. Um, and then I've just worked up. And, that, and now I'm in counter, so I have a couple other teams under me, but still you know, overseeing dungeons and whatnot. But, um, so I have a kind of a good perspective on, on, on where we've come and what we've done. And I think that throughout the years, all of the designers that we've had, the, the boss designers, the content designers and everything like that, have all added a little piece um, to really enrich the dungeon experience. So uh, I think before the game launched, and this this speaks to kind of the first dungeons we did and even the first veteran dungeons we did, where we had a different idea and a different plan for how the game was going to go. Um, you know, we had... Uh, uh, to use Fungal Grotto as an example, we had Fungal Grotto and that was a starter dungeon and we had level bands at that point. So we wanted to make sure that people had, as their first dungeon experience, it was fairly easy and it was easy to get into and do and stuff. So that guided kind of the design philosophy. And then when we did Veteran Fungal Grotto, that was going to be for more challenging players. So we changed the story completely and, and everything like that. But then as the years went, got, went by, we did one Tamriel and we, we kind of adapted. We, we went back to those and said, you know, this doesn't make sense with kind of how the game currently is so we tried to adapt those and bring those up but then as we go forward all of the designers that we've had on the on the team have added a little bit to say you know how can i challenge players in a new way and i think that's been like kind of the lifeblood of dungeons is getting these new um cycling through new new designers and and really having uh, a passionate team that wants to challenge players that looks for every single thing that they could possibly do to challenge players and come up with new stuff and you should see how much stuff we have on the cutting room floor that we're going to explore later on <laughs> so i mean we, we we try to throw the kitchen sink and everything and we're like all right we got to dial back on that we can't take that one in but then you know next next dungeon let's see what we could do with that so. yeah awesome and look at you when we kind of broaden that out to, I guess, that big picture idea, what for you really does define the whole idea of running encounters for ESO? Because obviously, you know, yep, there's kind of the open world experience stuff, people are kind of running around doing cool things. You know, what is that that thing about these encounter moments that you feel like you always want to, you know, want to give people whatever kind of encounter it is that you're developing? Yeah, it, it really depends on the the kind of like, what you just said, the nature of what the encounter is going to be. Um, so like for Overland um, and quest experiences and stuff like that, what we want for those is we want players to have uh, a moment where they feel like they're accomplishing whatever the quest goals are, but uh, taking into account the um, potential skill level and, and, and everything like that so that they have these, you know, 
moments where they're they're defeating let's say gray war for example they're going through and they're defeating vampires in order to get to the to Alceron or, or i mean uh, uh or to get to uh spargrim or something like that as you as you kind of progress through um so those kind of moments are like uh, okay those are great and we want those to be punchy and stuff but we also want those to make sure that that players have a kind of a a good experience with those and and don't quite um push them to the upper limit whereas for dead dungeons especially veteran dungeons and trials that experience is this is already uh, an experience that's geared for players that want to challenge themselves mechanically uh we want to tell a good story absolutely and that's usually what the normal is there for is to say you can go through at a more leisurely pace um but the the veterans and the and the hiring kind of that's where we can kind of allow the the designers to flex their muscles a little bit more to say how how much can you push the players how far can you push them and stuff so i really think it depends on what context for the encounters that you're uh that you're talking about is 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 what you're trying to get out of uh what what experience you want the players to have yeah and i i'd also love sort of any thoughts on you know where does this sort of I'm sure it's like a bit of a virtuous cycle in a sense, but you know, when it comes to the cool stuff that we see in the cinematics, like this, you know, the the trailer stuff for uh, you know for this uh, DLC looks super cool. Um, so cool, yeah, yeah. But then it's like, how do you? Um, you know, like where is where where are the ideas being driven from in a sense where it's like you know, like the the husks and stuff, right? Where it's like super cool stuff to kind of see represented so cinematically right. and then it's like you know was that something that someone within you know within the encounter team sort of came up with at some point or was that something a story team came up with um you know how do you sort of you know the, where's the back and forth sit uh, through the development team yeah so um that's the beauty of um of that kind of thing is is we're all not too proud to to recognize good ideas if they're not our own yeah um and and so where that comes from is that collaboration between um the content teams the the fiction writers the artists the world builders i mean you know and then the encounter team as well so we can all sit down and we could say this is the story this is kind of the entire story for this year and then brainstorm ideas for like okay what kind of monsters would be here what would make sense here and stuff and then we can all add to that kind of pot pie of uh, (laughs) of uh of of uh, you know this collaboration of what are the monsters going to be and what would this look like and how would this be um so yeah it's going to be it's going to come from all of those brainstorming sessions on what's going to be cool um a lot of times uh uh for dungeons in particular a lot of times the dungeon team will be able to um because of just the nature of how they operate um they have uh, uh, uh dedicated resources to to them not that the encounter team doesn't as well but um they have different dedicated resources and different dedicated budgets and stuff like that so uh they're able to kind of take a look and say hey we like kind of this monster but can we get you know a new version or this version or something like that that would fit the theme of this dungeon and stuff so that's kind of how lady thorn came about where we saw a uh a vampire lord and we were like yeah vampire lord's cool and stuff but what if we had a female vampire lord uh and then if we go with them and say okay this is what we want we have and then they get a figure made and stuff so that's the first time you've seen a a female vampire lord in in the yeah. game um 
So yeah, it's 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 very much a collaborative effort. I think it probably starts with the content and writing teams as they're writing the story. They get kind of ideas, um, but then everybody else kind of adds onto that. When they get their ideas down on paper and stuff, we say this is the story. Then everybody can kind of add to it. What's funny is, is I'm also in charge of the monster team, which is the team responsible for putting new monsters into the game. So uh, yeah. Part of that is also, you know, because that's that's the different hat I wear where I go, okay, well, let's talk about this and then go to the monster team and say, let's discuss this. What do we what do we imagine this monster to do? What do we what do we think this could do? And, you know, do we have any suggestions on what we think this is going to be or something? So, yeah, it's it's, it comes from all over. Yeah, awesome. Um, So, you know, I I guess to, to close it out, I'd love your thoughts on, you know, what are the things that you get most excited about when this stuff kind of lands for players? As you say, you've sort of got some. Um, yeah, PTS kind of feedback here and there, but is it is it like uh, yeah, watching streams or reading the feedback in forums? Yeah, are there like different elements that that is your kind of go to point to sort of capture right. some of those first reactions? So um, my my first reaction is almost always on streams. That's uh, actually it's pretty funny because it's we have budgeted time in our schedule for uh, the teams to react to feedback based on. Uh, PTS, um, and we have our feed forum threads and stuff like that, which is which is really good. But seeing players' first reaction to uh, to especially new stuff that we throw in the game, yeah. uh, seeing players the first time they do something, the first time they get it, the first time something clicks, there's nothing like that. It's like it's it's really it's literally what juices us up to go. Oh, okay, we got to do some more of this and stuff because it is so fun to see that and when, when we break it down and we get to analytical stuff uh yes we watch streams forum threads are really huge because people can describe stuff to us and write it down and and you know in, in in concise uh formats so that we can kind of bite size and, and and chew through stuff but almost always what gets us the most excited is is kind of unleashing it and it's not just on pts because pts is good and it's fantastic to see because that's the first blush of what people uh, see. But we almost always have more work to do um, after it, you know it's on PTS. So we, we see it on PTS. We say, okay, we got to make it to suggestions. We got to make this. We got to do this kind of stuff. So seeing it when it gets out into the wild and there's like a larger group of people and there's a lot of people that don't actually play stuff on PTS because they want to experience it firsthand on totally. live and seeing all of those moments too is really really so we get we get two bites at that apple we get the first first pts push and then we get the first live push uh to see people playing it and it's it's fantastic Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.